Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. All right, let's, let's get into God's word. No jokes today. Let's go. I, um, have you, hey, if you're new or visiting with us in Sycamore this morning, big welcome to church. We are so glad to have you. It is an absolute joy and honor that you'll be with us. Welcome. You have every right to feel at home. You don't have to believe to be here, but I hope you believe before you leave. But, um, <laughs> but you are welcome to church this morning. wonder if you've ever gone on a blind date, like somebody was trying to hook you up and they like set up a date. Um, and if you've ever been there, you know that there is all this tension in the build-up. Hey, my time isn't counting yet. There's all this tension in the build-up. You are trying to figure things out. Um, how is it going to go? Um, what should I expect? Is it going to go well? What kind of person is he or is she? Um, will it work? Or maybe, will it be awkward? Um, if I don't eat enough, will it look like I'm forming? If I eat too much, will I look greedy? You know, you are just um, in all of those tensions. Will I be good enough, right? Um, there's all those kind of questions going on. Okay, maybe let's bring it closer. Maybe not necessarily a date, but let's just say somebody you haven't met before and um, somebody was like trying to introduce you and so you guys were to like meet up. You were meeting up for the first time with, through an introduction and all of that. So you're trying to be all prepared for this. Um, for me, some of the kind of things I would do is that I would check the person out on social media. Anybody like me? I kind of check um, what kind of person you are um, and all of that. Okay, so you probably know Paul, Paul the Apostle um, in the Bible who wrote a lot of the books of the New Testament. And um, you know that Paul wasn't married. Paul was um, died at about 60 years thereabout and he wasn't married. So I figure out that during Paul's life, um, one or two of his friends were like trying to match him up with people and all of that. So um, one time one of his friends reached out to Paul. He sent him a text and he's like, hey, Paul, that there is this Christian girl in Tassos that I think you would like to meet. Like she's a good Christian. You know, they're Christians. They're Christians. Like she is a Christian. And like, Paul, when next do you like preach towards Tassos? Will you let me know? Let me just hook you guys up and all. So in the build up, Paul was kind to like figure it out and like, man, let me just be focused on the Lord's work. And then at some point, he's even like vexing 1 Corinthians 9. He's like, ah, oh, have we no right to lead about a believing, about a wife that is a believer, even as the rest of the apostles that what's going on? I can't have a wife. What is it? Okay. So Paul like tells his guy, like, I'm around Tassos, hook us up and all. So they, they, they sit down and um, they are together, Paul and this Christian girl in Tarsus. So they sit down and, and then Paul is like, let's have coffee and they bring coffee and um, Paul is like smiling and they're both like smiling at all each other. Then Paul is like, hey sis, can we pray? And she's like, yeah, yes, yes, yes we can. And so Paul is like Ephesians 1 verse 15, therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, my sister. Make a mention of you that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. The coffee is getting cold, Paul. Far above all principality and power, and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. Sister is like, amen, amen, amen. Okay, so like, Paul, Paul, like, can you tell me about yourself? Mm, like what? I mean, like, what is in you, Paul? 
he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. I mean, like Paul, like Paul, what's your ambition in life? My ambition, Romans 15, 20, thus my ambition has been to preach the gospel where Christ's name has already been known. Not where Christ's name has already been known, lest I build on another man's one. No, Paul, I mean like, like your goal, Paul, like your goal. Read it in Amplified. Accordingly, I set a goal to preach the gospel. Not where Christ's name was already known so that I will not build on. Okay, Paul, never mind. Has your life like, um, like, like undergone any changes lately? Hmm. 1 Corinthians 9.20 To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I may win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, that we may win those under the law. To those who are without law as without law, but under all, that, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I may win the weak. I have, sister, I have become all things to all men, <laughs> that I might by all means save some. Hmm. Paul, like, what do you do in, like, your spare time? I write books of the Bible. <laughs> so, so don't you have any hobbies, Paul? Hobbies? Hobbies. Like, how do you chill? Like, sports? Like, athletics? Oh, yes, I fight the good fight of it. <laughs> I box well, not beating the air. I run the race that is set before me that I may obtain the prize. Well, Long and short, Paul never got married. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. You know, it can be a very awkward conversation meeting someone for the first time. I don't know about you, shy person like me. I don't like awkward conversations. Um, I mean, I just try and like, have you figured out? It gets very awkward. And last week, we were talking about the Holy Spirit and all. If you were one of Jesus' disciples, let me ask you, if you were one of Jesus' disciples, what would it have felt like when your guy that you know, the guy that you've been with three and a half years, you, you've kind of like figured this guy out, you know yourselves, you know yourselves in and out. He then tells you like, I'm going away, but there's going to be like this new friend coming. <sighs> I get scared. I get square, scared of awkward, especially the avoidable ones. So what I want to do this morning is that I want to ask disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, and even if you're not one yet, um, I hope you would hear something that would really help you today. But I want to ask the disciples of Jesus seated here today for a topic, I'll ask a question. Do you have an awkward relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you have an awkward relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because to be honest, I think that too many Christians have an awkward relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jesus told the, Holy, the disciples that the Holy Spirit would come, you know, it was, it was a real person he was talking about. He was telling them that just like I am to you, a person, like we're talking person to person, he was telling them that another person, someone else is coming. Jesus wasn't just telling them that, guys, something is going to happen to you, like maybe like fire is going to fall on you or like power will come to you, like you'll become stronger. No, he was telling you that a person, a person is coming. Now, the person will bring stuff, all right? Because the person comes, some of those stuff will come. But, but here's what I want to say. Don't equate your grandma, grandma with Iru. Listen, grandma brings Iru from the village. You understand what I'm trying to say? How many of you have, okay, it's not grandma, it's mama. Mama, when she comes, brings locust beans. She smells like locust beans, you know? Like when she's around, you like feel like locust beans everywhere. But grandma is not equals to locust beans. She brings it. Amen? And Jesus was telling them that a person is coming. Now, that person does stuff. That person brings things. That person will bring a lot of things into your life. But he was telling them a real person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He's not just an atmosphere. He's not just a way we feel. He's not, you know, just an ambience. He's not, he's not a bottle of oil. He's not a, he's not a dove. 
He's a person. And Jesus was telling them that a person will come. Let me add this morning, when I say he's a person, he's not a weird person. He's not a spooky person. He is a beautiful, gentle, real God person. And Jesus was saying, you know what? A person would come into your life. And I know, you know, maybe, maybe for you, every time you think about the Holy Spirit, you just think about like some weirdness and some spooky stuff happening all around the place and all of that. Let me put it to, to you this way. You're watching a soccer game. And in the soccer game, you know, there are different kinds of soccer games. There are soccer games that you finish playing and the guys are so friendly to each other. They even exchange jerseys. They smile. They shake hands at the end of the game like sportsman and, and all of that and they end. But there are some soccer games in some areas of the world where as they start, it's almost like there's personal beef before, you know, people are trying to break other people's legs, people are chasing people, people are, you know, there's just all of that going on, and somebody almost broke someone's leg, the whole team, they're fighting, police are separating people and all, and you're watching this game, like it really happens, and you're watching this game and saying, ha ha, football is a violent game. No, it's not. People that play football can be violent, but football is not violent. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? It is a sport. Now, people can be weird, hmm? but the Holy Spirit is not weird. Some people that receive the Holy Spirit can be weird. Very, very weird. But the Holy Spirit is not. He's a beautiful, real, sweet person. He's a God person. People are spooky. Not the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, now, he's supernatural. But there's a big difference between supernatural and spectacular. People long for the spectacular. What do I mean by spectacular? Like he has all the feel and all of that, the hype and all of that. But in himself, the Holy Spirit is supernatural. What does that mean? He's just not natural. He's not human. He's not, you know, natural. He's more than natural. But that doesn't mean he's always spectacular. He can come in a spectacular way. But we don't chase the spectacular. We're simply chasing a relationship with a real person. Amen. So, if the disciples were like me... Um, they'll do what you probably do. Okay, Jesus says this Holy Spirit is coming. So you run a search engine and try and check him out. So I can imagine them trying to check him out. Because let me put it to you this way. When Jesus said the Holy Spirit is coming, I hope you, I hope you feel for the disciples. They didn't have a clue what they were expecting. They just knew that a person is coming. Like if they were in the upper room and one guy putting on a tie and suit comes and knocks and says, Hi guys, Holy Spirit here. Do you know they would literally believe he is? They didn't know what to expect. They just knew a person is coming. So I feel like they'll be trying to say, okay, let's try and check out this person. Where has he been mentioned before? Let's search him out in the scrolls. And so they'll start thinking that, oh, the Holy Spirit was the guy that in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that the earth was formless and void, but the Spirit of God moved upon the surface. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And they're like, oh, the Holy Spirit creates an atmosphere for God to create what he wants to create. Like, wow. So if God is going to create, there's going to be like an atmosphere that the Holy Spirit brings. And then they'll be thinking about how the Holy Spirit came in Exodus to a guy called Bezalel, Exodus 31. And the Holy Spirit came. And then God told Moses that I filled this guy with the Spirit of God in all workmanship and Bezalel was anointed with skill and workmanship and all of that to build everything that God was commanding Moses to build and so they'll be thinking like wow if God wants us to build something the Holy Spirit can be giving us the skill and the wisdom to build it and then they'll be thinking about how the Holy Spirit was gifting people in the Old Testament and bringing gifts into people's lives that there's a guy called Saul that was just an ordinary guy but one day when the Spirit of God came upon him the Bible says Saul stepped into the prophetic I'm like wow Saul stepped into the prophetic by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That there was this dimension about his life that was not just about the here and now. That he was seeing things. He was walking things. He was strategic. He stepped into the prophetic. 
And they'll be seeing that, man, this Holy Spirit is gifting and empowering people. And he came upon Samson, and Samson was so strong. Samson wasn't a weakling. They'll be thinking, man, we don't have to be weak, guys. This Holy Spirit, if he comes, he's going to empower us. We will be strong. We'll be able to do what God wants us to do. In fact, they would go on to see that it's that same Holy Spirit that in Romans 8, the Bible says, raised Jesus from the dead. And they'll be thinking that, man, if this Holy Spirit is in us, we're not going to be like some lifeless people. There is resurrection power in us. They would see, in essence, that as they look at everything God is doing through the scriptures and all, they would see that the entirety of God's working seems to be running on a rhythm of the Holy Spirit. That the entirety of God's working, when you're looking for essence, for purpose, for fulfillment, for meaning, for functionality, that the entirety of God's working is pleased to run on a rhythm of the Holy Spirit. And friends, what I want to say to us today, if we're going to have that life, if we're going to have that life that is living in the full picture of God's desire and God's working and all that God is, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit. When my, when my children were learning how to write, we, we had these books that we'll get for them. And um, these books pretty much, they kind of do like a, you know, somebody will say, I wrote a book and this is what he did. Like just, they kind of put like dotted lines right? So write out like the alphabet and all. And so the child is trying to learn and you're like, hey, write A. And so the child would come here and he's going to trace this out and write it and then strike it across and say, I have written A. You're like, man, could you even miss it? Yeah, but yes, you have written A. So there's like a dotted framework. Are you, are you here this morning? Come on. Second sense, you have the sharper ones now. You know, there's like a dotted framework that the person is simply tracing out to see the beauty of what was locked in there. And as I'm thinking about the scripture and all that we see of God, there's kind of like a dotted framework of God's plan. There's a dotted framework of a God in Jeremiah 29, 11 saying, look, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. There's a dotted framework of a God saying, Ephesians 2 verse 10, that look, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good work. There's like all these things scattered around and God who says that, look, I put my son on a cross and he died a death. He had no business dying and was raised back to life so that you will have a life that you don't deserve. And you're like me. And he's like, yes, there's potential in that life. There's grace in that life that I desire above all things that you prosper and you're in good health, even as your soul prosper. And you're like, man, what a life. But there's a dotted framework. Guess what the Holy Spirit does? He starts to lead you in that life of tracing it out and bringing to reality everything that God sees and that God desires for you. And now I am walking in the reality of God's pattern and of God's design by my life by the power of the Holy Spirit because there's a framework of God's intention for me. And so what I'm trying to say to us today is that if we're going to walk in it, if we're going to walk in the desire of God, if we're going to walk in the beauty of God for our lives, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. There are all those touch points of what God wants to do in our lives. Like an outline of it. Inheritance. The Holy Spirit brings it to us. And he just puts that color in our lives. So if we're going to live in it, we are going to need to build a great relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let me look at somebody around you and say, you can't do the good life without the Holy Spirit. So some years ago, a friend of mine who is a vet doctor was telling me that he was going to do surgery for a couple of dogs and I was kind of curious like uh, how did they break their hands legs whatever like uh, what happened to them and he's like oh man he told me the story so basically what happened was that there was a lot of robbery in a particular area um, it was just going on and on and, and on again 
And then this person who had been attacked now decided that, man, enough with these robbers. So he went to go and get these dogs. I can't remember the breed, but they were like some, you know these dogs that you are in an argument? Is it lion? No, I think it's dog. I think, I think it's dog. I think, no, it looks like lion. No, like you're arguing, like got this, and they were both massive, like huge, like, no, look, and he got these two, and like enough of these robbers and all. But the story has it that the person was robbed again. How did it happen? These robbers arrived at the house, and then these two huge dogs that are, just went to one side. No, not the, woo, woo. And then these robbers went in, they finished everything. Then like 15 minutes after the robbers left, the two dogs just became violent. They broke their legs, like literally just went back. And so he was now doing a surgery on the dogs. And I hate it. Mm. Did they sleep? No. Woo, woo. Oh. Uh. So that no first timer says that in our church we talk about jazz. I don't want to say it's jazz, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but but here's what I'm thinking. You know, you look at those dogs, you know, they're ah, ah this thing, this thing is quarter to lie on, like ah, that's potential. <laughs> and then you sit in that moment. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I don't want to be that kind of Christian. That like, man, you are anointed. You have potential. God's grace is upon you. Hey, if you know the life that Jesus died for you to live, you have inheritance. You are blessed. Huh? And all of that. But in the face of the realities of life, Monday morning. <laughs> you know, we can come to church. Make a joyful shout to the Lord. Roll! Then all through the week, you are making a panic shout. So everything life is bringing at you. Supposed to be witnesses for Jesus. Your Bible says many are called, few are chosen. But when you walk through the week, many are cold, few are frozen. It's basically a potential when the reality of life. I don't, in the face of the real issues of life, want to quiver and panic. I don't want that life. I don't want what I call an ID card Christianity. That you carry it like I'm a Christian. But life is happening. They have come. Oh yeah, this is why we got you. I don't want an ID card Christianity. You know, you can just have the frame. You can have the form. But just deny the power. Listen to what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says, you would receive power, ability, efficiency, and might when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he says, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. Here's what I want to say. The Holy Spirit makes us witnesses of Jesus. Now, that's a powerful thing I just said, but I'll show you why. The Holy Spirit, Jesus is basically telling disciples, okay, this person that is coming, that would be upon you, that would come to you, this new person that is coming to you, Jesus is saying to them, he's going to make you witnesses of me. That's powerful. What does that mean? So maybe you've quoted this verse and we quoted it growing up and, you know, like the Holy Spirit will make us witnesses of Jesus. So we will, you know, go out, carry our Bible, you know, rub your powder, tie your scarf, like let's go for evangelism because we must be witnesses by the Holy Spirit. What I would say today is not necessarily. It can be inclusive of that. 
It can be inclusive of sharing your faith, but that's, that's not the point of this. So let me ask you, you're watching a movie, and then, you know, there was that scene where somebody murdered someone else, and it was really brutal and all, but there was that person that saw it, and then the story goes on, and by the time they're in the courtroom, they bring that person, and they call that person that saw it, what, a witness, right? Now, there are two elements that I want you to think about that witness. The first thing is that the witness is somebody that saw something, or that experienced something. So I saw something, I experienced something, I, I, I saw it. But the second part of it is that he's somebody that can tell it or express it. Two things that make a witness. That I saw something, I experienced something, and then I can tell it or express it. And in expressing it, what the witness is trying to do, as he stands in that courtroom and he's telling about what happened and what he saw, what he's trying to do is to bring everybody to the point where they would all say words like, ah, it is true. It is true. What you are saying, what you saw is true. That's the point of a witness. So when Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will empower you to be witnesses, please keep it on the screen. Thank you. You receive the Holy Spirit, the power, and you shall be my witnesses. Do you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit empowers us to live our lives in such a way that people will see it and say, ah, it's true that Jesus is Savior. Ah, it's true that Jesus was raised from the dead. Ah, it's true that Jesus loves. The truth about Jesus becomes apparent and real because of how we live our lives. So what am I saying? You're working in an office. All of us work in this office, right? We're all facing the same pressure. The boss is shouting at everybody the same way. We're dealing with that. The salary is delayed, blah, blah, blah. We're all in the same thing. But I keep such an attitude by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that... Even in the face of pressure, people look and say, ah, there is something Jesus about your life. That's me being a witness. We're all taking the same course. Everybody's taking the course, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the level of excellence that I put into my work points to a truth about Jesus that I have experienced. That Jesus makes me diligent with my work. That I can't lift my hands in loving Jesus and then be lazy with those hands. There's something Jesus is doing to me. And so the Holy Spirit empowers me to be a witness to Jesus. Sexual temptation is real, man. Pressure. Man, it's there. Everybody's facing it. But the integrity that you keep points to the truth that Jesus has conquered sin. How else do you do that? How do you keep your sexual values in this generation? It is pointing as a witness to the truth that there is a savior that has empowered you by conquering sin on your behalf. By the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is about empowering us towards witnessing Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us towards witnessing Jesus. That's what I want you to think about. The Holy Spirit empowers me. Somebody say that the Holy Spirit empowers me. To witness Jesus. So how you need to be thinking and what I would encourage you to be asking yourself, as you think about your life and as you're trying to figure out your life, you know, oh, okay, I want to succeed, I want this in life. Okay, okay. How does your life glorify Jesus? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is committed to. The Holy Spirit is empowering you, not just to be a strong person, no. He's empowering you to witness Jesus. So, for example, how does your quote-unquote personal success bring glory and fame to Jesus? How does it? Because what the Holy Spirit is committed to is to empower witnessing. It's to empower you to be a witness of who Jesus is, of what Jesus accomplished, not for your glory, but for his glory. If you pass the exam, how does it bring glory to Jesus? If your child does well in school, how does it bring glory to Jesus? Is my life about pointing to the greatness of Jesus or the greatness of myself? 
See, I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit is committed to. The Holy Spirit is committed to empowering you to live a life that points to the greatness of Jesus, not the greatness of yourself. It's what the Holy Spirit is committed to. So the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is to make us witnesses, to witness the resurrection of Jesus, to witness the resurrection of Jesus to that struggle. Yeah, you know, you can, two ways to be thinking about an addiction. You can be thinking about getting, an addiction, getting out of an addiction so you can feel better about yourself. Or you can be thinking about getting out of an addiction so that you can give glory to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is committed to empowering you to witness Jesus. To witness it to the elements of the world. To witness it in your work. To witness it. And listen, I'm not saying that it doesn't include sharing your faith. But I'm saying it's the ultimate is not about sharing your faith by speaking. It's about living a life that witnesses Jesus. That we look at your life like, ah, it's true. That there is a Jesus that loves people. Ah, it's true. That there is a Jesus that is good. Ah, it's true. There is a Jesus that died. Ah, so your life gives witness to Jesus. Amen? Let me put it to you this way. The Holy Spirit helps us to help people towards Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us to help people towards Jesus. But you can't cut out that last part and say the Holy Spirit just helps us full stop. No, he helps us to help people towards Jesus. And it's beautiful when I think about this. Let me ask you. I don't know if you've ever been in this tension. I've been growing up as a Christian where you're like, okay, this Holy Spirit stuff, we're still trying to understand like Jesus. So the problem is like, like, okay, I get, like, the Holy Spirit. But sometimes you're praying and you're like, am I getting it wrong? Because, like, I'm praying for Jesus to take the glory. I'm like, ah, was I to say Holy Spirit take glory? Like, like, I'm like, anybody? Okay, like, ah, then I said, Jesus be with me. Technically, it's Jesus with me. It's not the Holy Spirit. Ah, I've missed it too. And then you get this picture of, like, three people are sitting in heaven, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And then you now mention the Holy Spirit and Jesus looks at him with, like, beef, like, uh, they're all looking towards you. And then Jesus is feeling isolated and all of that. See, God has this beautiful relationship with himself. Listen to this. God is three persons in one, all right? But he has this beautiful relationship with himself where God the Father is giving glory to the Son. The Son is giving glory to the Father. The Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit. And he's just going around like that. It's like this, this great football team where they score a goal. And the guy that scored is like pointing at the guy that gave the assist like you. And the guy that gave the assist is like pointing at no, you. And everybody like pointing like you. Like you, you, you. That's how like God is. So God is not this insecure three persons that is like, ah, you now mention son. You mentioned Jesus. Is it Jesus to take glory? Was it not the Holy Spirit? God, when we give glory to God, the Father, it's giving glory to the Son. The Son said, if you glorify me, it's the Father. The Father says the Spirit. The Spirit says the Son. It's just going around like that. Amen? Amen. And so we don't have to put ourselves under a theological pressure of dissecting like, oh yeah, one for each. Glory to the Father. Glory to the Son. Glory to the Spirit. Then because you mistakenly said Holy Spirit twice, you now say, let's start. Father must also get one more. You know. God has a beautiful relationship with himself. The Father was prominent in creation, what we see. The Father was prominent in creation and in the olden times with the Israelites. And so you have a lot of a God that was in heaven, that was far away, right? And then the Son was prominent in redemption, coming to earth and walking. And then the Spirit is prominent in regeneration, but in other words, this is how you must think about it, that we dominantly, in this day and age, relate to God by his spirit that is in us. And so Israel looked to a God that was far away. They had these laws that were written to point them towards a God that would come to the mountain and meet Moses. He was far away. All right, The disciples related to a God that was around them. And so Emmanuel, God was pleased to be with us. They were looking for him around them. But we in our day and age dominantly relate to God by the Holy Spirit that is within us. 
all right? And now, when I say that, it doesn't mean that there are not manifestations in every dispensation. When you look through the Old Testament, you see a guy called Melchizedek. Who was that? I had no father or mother, no beginning of days or end of days. You see manifestations of the Holy Spirit coming upon people. You see Jesus in the Old Testament showing up in different, as the captain of the Lord's army with Joshua. You have all those appearances, but I'm saying dominantly in a dispensation. What we have. And so what you had with the Holy Spirit coming upon people to accomplish a task in the Old Testament is different from what we have in this day and age where the Holy Spirit is pleased to live within us. And so Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, we read that last week. It says that if you don't have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in you, then you're not even a Christian. So every Christian has the Holy Spirit living within them. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, let me kind of try to get towards where I want to get to. And then I'll be landing. So Jesus was speaking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit coming. And um, let me show you, last week we read John chapter 16. Um, and I was showing you especially verse 7 of John chapter 16 last week where Jesus was saying the Holy Spirit will be your advantage. But today, let me just move on to verse 8. Please, um, Victor, if you would, please come on the keyboard. Thank you so much. Um, wasn't worship just a blessing? Us. You know, sometimes when worship is, when you're really blessed, you're not trying to say, is it because of the cap? Is it because one of them is now wearing wedding ring? I'm just checking that code. That's looking different. Anyway, so, so John 7. And it's not fake wedding ring, it's real one, in case you're saying. No, let me stop. A joke was trying to come, but I just want to stop it and face this thing. Do you guys want jokes? No, no, no. No, yeah, when I crack it, you still abuse me. No, I've decided no more joke this year. But, but legit, my son, my son, I, the other day I was speaking, I was, I, my children come and they start asking me for dad jokes. So we've just been having some dad jokes. Then my son started giving me some, and I was so proud of him. So we were driving and then they, they would see this car and they asked me, Dad, why is it called the Lexus? I said, well, because the people inside have legs like us. And they said, oh, uh. I was just giving them my own. Then my son just looked at me and he said, Dad, why is it called Honda? And I said, well, maybe if you look under, you will see H, so it's H Honda. He now said no. He said no. He said, Dad, but I, I think it was not deliberate because he doesn't speak Yoruba, but it was so good. He's like, Dad, I think they wanted to press the horn. They now say Honda. <laughs> like, I'm proud of you. Like, I've made it as a father. I've succeeded in life. But, 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 <laughs> okay, 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 the glory of the latter shall surpass the former. <laughs> Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. John 16, we were on John 16, and we were on verse 8, and Jesus is saying to his disciples that, guys, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And many of us think about the Holy Spirit, especially in that first part, like how the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. Like anytime I go wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. But let's try and break that out. Let's look at verse 9. Jesus says, of sin, because they do not believe in me. So he's speaking and saying, who will the Holy Spirit convict of sin? He's not convicting believers of sin. He's convicting unbelievers of sin. The work of the Holy Spirit in believers goes on in verse 10 to say of righteousness. He's speaking to his disciples because I go to my father and because you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. So what does Jesus mean when he's saying the Holy Spirit will convict of sin? He is showing 
He's showing the world their need of a savior. He's convicting the world of sin, not in a condemning way, but he's showing them their need of a savior. But that is not the ministry of the Holy Spirit in a believer. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in a believer is to convict you of righteousness. Now, maybe you hear that and you're like, no, that doesn't make sense. Let me show you what I'm saying. It's like I take, it's like I take this, all right? This is a little black thing, and I put it against a black background, right? And then you don't even see it. It just looks black in black and all of that. But if I take this black and put it against, and I put it against um, a white background, right? Then suddenly you can see a black on white, right? Now, the Holy Spirit is not coming to convict you of sin. What he's coming to do is convict you of righteousness. But in the face of God's righteousness, you see your sin. In the beauty of God's purity and of all that Christ died to be and of all that Christ died for and all of that, in the face of all of that, you see your sin. You see, like, no, this is less than the life God calls me to. He puts the light on it. This is not the life God calls me to. So he's not a condemning voice coming to say, you did that wrong. Like one boss just monitoring everything. You did that wrong. No, he's showing you the beauty of God's purity so that you aspire to it. He's convicting you of righteousness. So because I go to my father. But then he said, he convicts everybody of judgment. And judgment is a beautiful word for the believer. It's a beautiful word. It's a beautiful word for the obedient. It is a scary word for the unbeliever. But it's a beautiful word for the believer. It's like when your dad would go out when you were young, and then he would tell you that, I'll be back. And then you have misbehaved. You know when you scatter the house and all, and then you hear his horn. It is terror. But you know when you've done everything right, you can't wait for him to come. You're eagerly looking forward to him to come. Why do you think we who have this hope are endlessly awaiting judgment? Because we are in Christ. So, judgment is a beautiful word for the believer. And do you know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's reminding you of judgment. Why is he reminding you? Because in this world, many times you're going through things, you're being cheated and stuff is happening and you feel like you're losing ground and all. But the Holy Spirit is reminding you, Daddy is coming. Daddy is coming. There's a hope to your integrity. There's a hope to the values you're holding. There's a hope to all that is going on in the world. He's convicting you that there is judgment. It's a beautiful word for the believer. But it's a scary word for the unbeliever. But maybe you're like, no, 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 this thing you're saying about the Holy Spirit and, you know, not convicting me of sin. So that voice that I'm always hearing that tells me, like, before I take one, yeah, and all of that. Listen, there is a difference between your conscience and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not your conscience. Your conscience is, I believe, a blessing from God. But here's the deal. Your conscience is subject to training. Your conscience is a moral compass, a moral sense of right and wrong. But it's subject to training. Do you know that there are people in this world that legit will kill another human being? Because something in them believes that is the right thing to do. It's not that they're trying to be wicked. It's what their conscience has been trained towards. The Bible talks about people that have deadened their conscience. They, you know, we can do a lot with our conscience, but it's just an internal moral sense of right and wrong. Now, the conscience can be very helpful when it is rightly trained. So, the beautiful journey we can be on as Christians is a journey of training our conscience to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. But your conscience is not equal to the Holy Spirit. Your conscience can tell you you're doing wrong. Doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin. So let me show you in scripture, Romans 9 verse 1. Paul shows that demarcation really clearly. He says that I speak the truth with Christ as my witness. I speak utter truthfulness. Look at this. My conscience and the Holy Spirit. This is the separation. Confirm it. He's saying there's a two-way confirmation. I can see the Holy Spirit saying it, but I can also see my conscience saying it. That's the beautiful point you want to get to where your conscience and the Holy Spirit are aligned. But please notice the separation. And what I would say to you today is, honestly, if we'll be honest, we need something more than just a subjective morality. 
We need something more than just a subjective sense of, I think, my, my, the way I grew up, this is right, this is wrong. Because in your, journey with following the Holy, in your journey of following the Holy Spirit, some of you would even know that there are things that conscience is telling you is bad. Uh, but you know that the Holy Spirit is telling you, is giving you a liberty. Uh, the first day you wore one clothes, don't let's mention the name of the clothes, your conscience... <laughs> was telling you that you are, you are on your way into F.I. You're opening the door. <laughs> but something you are seeing in the Bible was telling you something else. Amen. Amen. Uh-huh. So your conscience can contradict the Holy Spirit. So maturity is a place where we're bringing our conscience by training it, allowing God's word to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And it creates a strong force within us. Amen. Amen. All right. So the Holy Spirit, what I'm trying to say is not that hounding voice within the heart. You have... Yeah. Condemning. No, it's not the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's just your father's voice, your mother's voice. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Don't push everything on the Holy Spirit. You know. And what I even want to say is that, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks, but the Holy Spirit is not a talkative. Don't make the Holy Spirit look like a talkative. Sometimes I hear people talking about the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit talks a lot. Like, <laughs> he told you how to pack your hair. He told you the color of nails to do. When you were even going out, he told you start walking with your right leg, not your left. Ah, you say yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, ah, yeah. Holy Spirit. Sorry, go like. <laughs> the Holy Spirit speaks, but the Holy Spirit is not a talkative. The point of maturity in life as a Christian is not saying that everything you do, the Holy Spirit told you to do. That's not the point of maturity. I have two kids. One is six years old. One is five. This morning I woke up and you know I was. I mean, when I came out this morning, they ran out of their room, they were trying, and I said, no, why, why, you don't wake up and come to my room, you know what to do, start of the day, you know what you should be doing, go and do that, and then, but if I have kids that wake up, and then I go to them, and I say, have you woken up, they say, yes, I say, open your eyes, you open it, stand up, they stand up, I say, go to the bathroom, they go, brush your teeth, they pick up brush, they start up or down, I say, start up, then I say, have your bath, they pour water. I say, to wear your body. You to wear it. I say, come out. Come out. Dress up. They dress up. Sit at the table. They sit down. Eat your food. They start eating. Stop. They stop. Go to the car. They go to the car. Enter the car. They enter the car. We get to school. I say, come down. They come down. Follow your teacher. They follow their teacher. You ask me, are they okay? Are they okay? The point of maturity is not that they are doing everything but as I'm telling them to do it. The point of maturity is that they're growing to know what my heart is. They're walking in that framework. Listen, if you live a life where, if you live a life where, in your thinking about the Holy Spirit, eh, it is not necessary for you to have a church family. It's not necessary for you to have relationships. It's not necessary for you to think. It's not necessary for you to have common sense. Common sense. It's not necessary that uh, uh, the weather is hot. Wear better clothes. The weather is cold. Do you understand? Like it's not necessary. The Holy Spirit is just, then why did God give you all those things? Why did God give you that whole framework? The Holy Spirit is not out to replace the framework of life that God has given you to. He's out to lead you through a God framework. How many of you look over your life, over like the last five years, and you see that as you were in a conversation, as you even made some decisions and obeyed in some places, the Holy Spirit was all the while working things more than I knew. That relationship, when I first met the person, I didn't even know anything would come out of it. But somehow, God just prompted me, and I signed up for a life group, and then I even met my best friend in my life group, and my life partner in my, in my life. You, you know what I'm I didn't even, I was just doing what I knew to do. I was just gently volunteering. 
and serving God as I felt was the right thing to do. And through that, oh yeah, stand up, two of you. And, and, and inside volunteering, and now sitting down as husband and wife. So if I ask, so if I ask you, were you led? Yes, you were. But not as a zombie. Not as a, uh, Lord, if you want me to witness today, let uh, that my friend be wearing yellow. So if she's wearing yellow, then I know that. No, no, no. There's a framework. He has already told you, go and make all disciples. Go and be doing that. When he wants you to stop, he will tell you to stop. He will tell you the one not to talk to today. Or the place not to go. He would rather stop you than be telling you to start. Hmm? Because there's a framework. All right. Now, in all of this, am I saying that he cannot give you instructions in specific situations? That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that's not the design or pattern. That's not the mark of a Christian's life. Of this talkative Holy Spirit. That's not the mark of a Christian's life. Mark of a Christian's life sometimes is to, he that knows what is right to do and does not do it. To him it is sin. It's right for you to go early to work. You don't need special leading of the Holy Ghost. It's wrong for you to go late to somebody that employs you and pays you salary. You don't need, I don't feel led to go early. My friend, go and do your job. Are you hearing me today? To be diligent, whatsoever your hands find to do, do with all your heart as unto the Lord. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit will not come and be leading you today. I think you should give thanks. You say, hey, Holy Spirit, we should thank God today. That's the framework of being a Christian. Amen? Yeah. All right. So, let me land this morning. Let me land this morning. I, I told you guys a story some years ago. I'm going to ask the team to come in just a moment. I told you guys some story some years ago. A, a story some years ago. Some story years ago. How did I say that? How did I possibly say that? A story some years ago. Um, it was my daughter's birthday, and um, I told you about how my mother told us to come over. Remember? Okay, and then we got there, and long and short, you know, my mother, who is such a great woman I love with all my heart, and I should also say before I say it again that she's well-educated. Um, she does have a few degrees, I believe. She has a PhD. She has, like, double masters. She has, you know, a number of degrees every and I need to say this again and again, just for emphasis. And she's a brilliant woman. She has done well in career, retired meritoriously. She has raised four children successfully, I believe. Well, at least three successfully. I'm still trying. But, um, but I believe she has done a few things that point to... But we got there that day, and there was the birthday surprise, a wrapped bicycle. Every time I say it, it hurts something in me. Like, mom, you sat down and wrapped the bicycle. And then she's like, there's a surprise. And so we're like, like what, what, what can be in there? Let us guess. I think, I think it's a puppet. I think, I think maybe it is a gun. Like you wrapped a bicycle. Mom, I love you. I love you. You know, I used to see that joke out there. I didn't know it could happen in my family. You wrapped a bicycle. You bought wrapping paper. Because you are going home to wrap a bicycle. Like you, you went through the processes. You bought cello tape. You even caught you are taping it. You wrapped a bicycle. Yes, a lot of labor. 
But you know, as, as you look at it and you're asking, what do you see? It, of course, I see a bicycle. Well, actually, I see a wrap. I see a wrap. No, now, but yeah, but we all know it's a bicycle. Yeah, but but it's a wrap. Well, it's a bicycle. Well, it's a wrap, depending on what side you want to argue. It's a wrap. I know about it could be a song, but let's still keep it as a wrap. <laughs> no, 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 but, 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 but the other day I was watching that. Um, um, what's that line again? What's that line again? There's a line, there's a line, there's a line. Um, if you want to go to the airport, you need to show effort. Um, Japa, I don't want a Japa. <laughs> no, 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 that was just. That was bad. But, guys, guys, you, you, you're looking and you're seeing a bicycle and you're seeing. So I don't even know what I'm seeing. I think I'm seeing a bicycle. I think I'm seeing a rap. Just, just all of that. Because here's the point that what is behind the bicycle, what is inside the rap, what we've done is that we have closed the rap on it. So it started out by just being big out there. Then we started tightening it towards it. We started bringing it closer and closer. And as it came closer and closer, what is happening now is that the rap that was shapeless is now taking the shape of what it is wrapped around. It is now more and more looking like what is inside. So, so we are actually seeing the wrap, but we are seeing what is inside it. As I thought about that, I thought of how Romans 8 verse 9 says, Hey, if you are a Christian, you have the spirit within you. And I'm saying, oh, then let this be my mission for the rest of my life. To come closer and closer, to take the shape of what God so generously puts inside me. So that more and more, I am looking like... So you're looking and you're like, it's him, but it's... It, it's not him, but it's him, but it's the Holy Spirit, but it's him, but it's just the shape of, of what is in him. And so Galatians 5.22 says that when the Spirit dwells in us, God will by the Spirit produce this fruit. When the Spirit controls our lives, this fruit of love and of joy and of peace and of patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. So we're looking at your life and we're seeing such a goodness, but not even you. It's just taking the shape of what is inside and as I get closer and closer, then I look more and more like him. That person that he is. How do you love the way you love in this bitter world? It's not the rap. It's just that the rap is coming closer and closer to take the shape. So when you press the rap harder, you just see the shape more. When the rap is pressed, then what we're seeing is just the shape of what is within. Friends, that's what I want my life to be. I want to press against what is within me. So that more and more I will take the shape of the beauty of God's spirit that is within. That the world will look at you and say, I see such a wisdom. I see, I see such a passion that is not, is it not be here. Uh, it's me being pressed to take the shape of what is within me. Because I see the rap, but I see the bicycle. That the gifts that he gives us, the fruits that we bear, the gifts as, as he wills and as he gifts us with the preciousness of his gifts. He gifts us with the prophetic that how are you functioning? I love it. How are you functioning in a dimension that is not just about here? Like it's just the wrap taking the shape of the bicycle. So what I want to say to everybody as I close today is, man, would you be on the journey of building your own walk? Would you be on the journey of building your own walk, your own conversation with the Holy Spirit? If you're going to live the life that God wants you to live, it can only happen by the Holy Spirit. The life that God designed you for, it can only happen by the Holy Spirit. So as you build your own walk, because it's going to be your own unique journey, no two people's journey is the same. Because every relationship, if two people are sitting here and having a conversation, one goes, another comes, the conversation becomes different. 
He comes into the peculiarity of who you are, of where you've been, of where your mind is. It's fine. He's... So here's what I would encourage you. Number one, start from where you are. There's a beauty of starting from where you are. And starting from where you are is not just saying, oh yes, when I met the Lord, that was where I started. No, I'm saying every new day, start from where you are. I know you made a mistake yesterday, but start from where you are right now. I know you made another mistake that you didn't plan to make, but start from where you are. There's a beauty of every day waking up to say, I'll start from where I am. Start from where you are. Just be in that conversation. Second thing that I would say, please hunger. Let your story be marked by more hunger and more desire. Because the law of scripture is, it's those who hunger that are filled. The Holy Spirit is not enough. I'm forcing myself on you. There just has to be human desire. Let there be more hunger, more desire. Again, let there be more humility and more surrender. If we look at your life, can we say it's marked by more humility and more surrender? It's more yieldedness. There's just a beauty about the laying down of myself to say, it's not about my agenda. It's not about me and myself. And you know how we're so self-obsessed? But is your life about witnessing Jesus? See, we can do the same thing. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It can be about passing an exam. And it's the same passing an exam. But is passing an exam about me? Or is passing an exam about witnessing Jesus? It's the framework of my life about witnessing Jesus. It can be about my healing. Is my healing just about my comfort? Or is it about witnessing Jesus? It can be about raising my children. Is it just about me? Or is it about witnessing Jesus? Would you live a life that is more and more surrendered? There's just a beauty about lifting our hands and saying, God, less of me and more of you. For your glory. For your glory, God. See, when the Holy Spirit sees an atmosphere that says, man, this is an atmosphere for Jesus to be witnessed. The Holy Spirit loves it. He loves to empower it. He loves to feel it. He loves to come on it. He loves to breathe in it. He loves to partner with it. When he sees an, a framework that looks like, man, Jesus gets the glory here. Jesus gets the glory here. More surrender. More yieldedness. More humility. More humility. Man, we can't stand in God's way. Pride, pride, pride is such a thing. Pride is such a sin that didn't even need a devil to tempt it to happen. Like Satan didn't have a devil tempted him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan, there was no Satan to tempt Satan to fall. But, but the one sin that didn't even need a temptation was pride. Man, it's a real thing. Like we don't even need a devil in our case to be proud. It's just a me thing. It's just me. But let's be people that know what it means to say not about me. Man, it's not the one you said yesterday. It's every new day. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say to you? It's not, uh, you know, last week, I conquered this pride thing forever. Man, you just see it creeping up again. You know what I'm talking about. It's that self-obsession. Not about me. So I love the atmosphere of God's house. I love that I can just lift my hands and be reminded. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. So for his glory. Man, you got some crowns through the week. So we get into this atmosphere. We start to cast our crowns before him and say, it's your faithfulness. It's your goodness. It's your love. It's your power. It's not even about me. I'm just a bicycle. I'm just a rap. You are the real substance of this thing, Jesus. All for your glory. I celebrate your name. I give you praise. I know people praised me all through the week. People thanked me all through the week. But I came with all that praise to say, now I give the praise to God. Now I give the glory to God. Now I give the worship to God. I love it. Not about us. But you pack all of that through the week. Then you come around God and I'm just too tired. Man, we cast our crowns before him. And so, I'll also say, let your life be marked by a desire that it is more about Jesus and his witness. The Holy Spirit loves those atmospheres. More about Jesus, more about his witness. Just seeking that more and more and more. And before I stop, one last thing I need to say. Tim, please come. Let it be more 
honor and regard. Let your life be marked by more honor and regard for the precious spirit of God. See, I know that one thing that kills relationship maybe more than anything else and with God inclusive just when we get to that point you know it's so easy the people closest to us to take them for granted right it's so easy for familiarity to breed contempt it's so easy and I just want to say because we live in a generation that we live in a generation that um, can sometimes be really foolish we mustn't allow the foolishness of our generation to affect how we see our God so I want to say to us Let's be people that deal with the things of God with honor and with regard. Because if there's going to be an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit in your life, an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to thrive and all of that, I'll tell you what kind of atmosphere it's going to be. It's going to be an atmosphere of honor and of regard. Listen, a relationship between God and man is not just about an encounter. It is about who surrenders to who. I'll say that again. Encountering God. It's not just a relationship between God and man. It's not just that man encounters God. It is that man treats God as God. Are you hearing me today? It's not just that I, I saw God, I heard God, I know God. It is that I recognize him as God. And we live in a generation that treats God as just anything. That, you know, you're talking about the Holy Spirit and just the street joke is just the Holy Spirit. Ah, Holy Ghost, ah, anointing. Ah. You know, you and your friend are just bantering. Somebody push up and say, yeah, I'm falling on the anointing. And then tomorrow morning, you come and you're asking God, please fill me with that anointing. Which one? The joke one or the real one? There are things in your life, the older you get, that just are not a subject for joking. Are you hearing me? Because of the regard you place on them, because of the value, there are places you walk away from, because this is not just an atmosphere. This doesn't honor the things I honor. Any comedian can want to make business of cracking your jokes, but I don't fester on that because I need an atmosphere that treats God as God, that sanctifies him, that honors him, that regards him. This is the precious thing that we cry over to receive. That just becomes a street joke. Somebody just like, ha, 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 ha. Holy Ghost, which Holy Spirit? How does he feel? Just as the subject of every street joke. I just want to say, I pray we will be a generation of Christians that know what it means to say, man, our God is not a side thing. He's not a street joke. He is a God that we love, that we revere, that we honor, that we recognize his presence. We, we, we treat him as God. We value him. We can, you can crack jokes over anything, man. That, that's not my thing. But, but when it comes to God, let there be an atmosphere that says, God, you are not just welcome. You are honored right here. See, where the spirit of the Lord is, 2 Corinthians 3 says, there is liberty. We speak a lot about our liberty. We think it's about our liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, we can do anything. Well, anything righteous. But I think it's more about his liberty. To do what he wants to do. Because we've been doing what we want to do all our lives. Where has he gotten us? But where the spirit of the Lord comes and he has his liberty to make us like God. To transform us into that same image with ever increasing glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. I think we must really be saying, Holy Spirit, we want you to have your liberty. We surrender ourselves. We give you a right atmosphere. We allow you. We call you God. We treat you as God. We honor you so that you will have your liberty to transform us into the image. To bring out that beautiful picture of the framework of God. To make us walk in his righteousness. To make us filled with that audacity and that power. I don't want to be the Christian who is just the well, well Christian. I want to be strong and audacious and bold and fulfilling the life that God calls me to live. And I will only do that in the rhythms 
of the Holy Spirit. So today I'm glad that we're in a house where the Holy Spirit is welcome. I'm glad that we're in a house where there's an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit to touch us, to reach us, to do what only He can do. I'm glad that this is a place where the Holy Spirit is Lord, where the Holy Spirit is honored, that as we're singing in the name of Jesus and honoring Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is finding a liberty. So can I invite you everybody if you're not standing, stand and just lift your hands and say Holy Spirit you are welcome. You are welcome in my life. You are welcome to do all that you will. To put me in the rhythms of my God life. To put me in the rhythms of the life that you designed for me to live. I want to be all that you call me to be. I want to stand in all you call me to stand. I don't want to be an ID card Christian. I want to be strong. I want to be bold. I want to prosper in the purpose of God for my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Hey, somebody, start from where you are. Start from where you are. It's your right now surrender. It's your right now yieldedness. It's your right now humility. And say, Holy Spirit, I love you. I don't even have all the answers, but I welcome you right here and right now to be all. I don't want to be an ID card Christian. I don't want to have potential and not walk in the rhythms. I want to walk in the rhythms of the life that Jesus died for me to walk in. So Timothy 1, the spirit God gave us does not make us afraid. His spirit is a source of power and love and self-control. Do you believe that today? That the Holy Spirit is a source of power. He's, he's giving you real power. He's strengthening you today to be all that you need to be. Why would you go into Monday morning weak and defeated? Why would you go back there, you know, just your head bowed down? Why would you go back in that same struggle and feel like a victim? The Holy Spirit does not make you afraid. He is a source of power. I love you Holy Spirit thank you for your presence in this room thank you for your presence in every heart we give you liberty we give you liberty do what only you can do Lord reach us in the way only you can reach come on the way you pray is okay come on just pray this morning and say Holy Spirit I welcome you I welcome you I welcome you reach me touch me stir me up again Holy Spirit stir me up again to God's purpose Come on, why is your heart cold? Why are you depressed? Call upon God this morning and say, Holy Spirit, stir me up. I can do with a little more stirring. I can do with a little more, a little more color in my black and white. Just some more of you, Holy Spirit. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Lord, I pray from the front to the back, from the left to the right. I pray for everybody online this morning. Right now, let there be a stirring up, a stirring up of your presence, Spirit of God. A stirring up, an awareness like never before. Let your voice be clear. Let your presence be known, Spirit of God. Orchestrate our lives again, Spirit of God. Oh, Spirit of God, bring us into the prophetic. Put a spark in our lives again, Spirit of God. Do what only you can do. We love you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Somebody, if you can, just hold out your hands as an act of surrender. And we just say after me this morning, say, not about me but for the glory of Jesus. Say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Say, Holy Spirit, have a free course in my life. 
do as you long to do. Make me what you want me to be. Take me where you want me to go. Lead me. Empower me. Fill me. Say that again. Say, fill me with the freshness of your presence. Say, I welcome you. I welcome you. Say, yesterday's gone. I'm not living in yesterday. But right now and right here, you are welcome. You are Lord. I give you glory. I give you praise. Come on, let's go ahead this morning. Clap your hands, everybody. Give him praise. Give him praise. Honor him this morning. Celebrate his presence in your life this morning. Welcome, welcome, Holy Spirit. We love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I like Acts chapter 2, verse 14. This is going to happen to somebody this week. You know, the believers had lived in waiting for the promise. But I'll just read the first five words there about because I just love it. The believers were waiting. They were hiding away. They were, they were, they were, they were you know, hiding away, locked up, everything, every word to describe them. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, I like these first words. The Bible says, but Peter. Somebody say, but Peter. Stand it up. That's all I want to hear. Stand it up. There are places you have been sitting down, but today, something fresh by the power of the Holy Spirit has happened to you. Somebody, you are standing up where you were bowed down. You are standing up where your feet were lame. You are standing up in the struggles you are locked up in. You are standing up in the conversations you should be in. You are standing up with power and with boldness. And the only explanation that he had is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This week we're standing up, people. We're standing up. We're standing up. We're standing up. Amen. 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 Do you love the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I want to make an invitation this morning. And if it's fine, let's all just stay standing. I want to invite somebody who cannot boldly say that they have put their faith in Jesus. Maybe you're far away from God this morning. We always love to give this miracle, this opportunity for a miracle in every service. Because it's no use coming to church. No use coming to the house of God and not encountering the God of the house. It's no use playing religious games. It's all about a relationship. It's real. It's not God games. It's dead to life. It's sin to righteousness. It's real. And I don't know who you are or how you got to be here today. But my heart goes out to you if you can't boldly say you're in the right place with God. You know what? You can set that right in just a minute. I'm going to give you an opportunity. If you say, I'm not right with God, I'm living in sin, I am far away. Maybe at some point you had made a decision, but as we speak today, you know you're far away. Everybody's standing here because we want to honor your decision this morning. We want to stand with you. We want to give you that choice today to say, I choose Jesus. A choice for Jesus today is a choice of life. It's a choice of forgiveness. It's a choice of a, new, a whole new life, a whole new beginning that was paid for on that cross 2,000 years ago. And so as today you say, I choose you Jesus. He's standing in for you and everything that was wrong with you is being set right because of his grace that was poured out on that cross. And so today I'm going to give you that moment. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes and I'm going to ask today who is here who would say I'm not in the right place with God. I need to be made right. I need forgiveness today. I've strayed away. I'm far away from God. I need to be able to say I have a relationship with an almighty God who made me and one day is going to judge me. Judgment is good news for believers because 
because we have put our faith in him. Are you ready? I'm going to count to three. If you say you're speaking to me, all I want you to do is to put your hand on your chest where you are. It's a sign before God that you are making a choice this morning. Whether you're in this building or you're online anyway, anywhere, get ready. I'm going to count to three. And on the count of three, I want you to put your hand on your chest. Ready? One, two, three. God bless you. That's a miracle. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for your sincerity across the room this morning. God bless you. If you're online also, I want you to join in. I want you to join in. Wherever you are, God sees you and he knows you. That's a miracle happening. Thank you so much, everybody who's praying that prayer today. Thank you for your sincerity today. If you want to join in, please do that before we pray. This is awesome. This is a family of the crowd. I'm going to ask us all to join in together. If your hand is on your chest, we want to stand with you, want to identify with you. So we're going to say these words with you. But you say these words knowing that the Bible says with our hearts we believe and with our mouths we confess unto righteousness. Can we all say together today, Heavenly Father, I come to you today because you've made a way for me to come through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your son Jesus. So I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and is the savior of the world. Say today, I boldly declare that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. Say, I give everything. I surrender everything to follow you. Say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Say, please forgive me of the past and give me a whole new start. Now say, I boldly declare I'm a child of God. And one day, I'll be with you in heaven. Everybody said amen. 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 That's a miracle. It just happened in your life. Everybody who prayed that prayer. Congratulations. We're so proud of you and we're excited about the miracle that just happened in your life. Thank you so much for joining us here at Sycamore Church. If you pray that prayer at the end, we are so excited about your decision for Jesus and we would love to help you get established in your relationship with him. So please let us know about your decision at www.sycamore.church forward slash Jesus. There you'll also find all kinds of resources to help you build your relationship with Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you are listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.